Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expector with me, Mark Asquith. Now, today we're going to discuss scale. Scaling your business, which is actually a really nice problem to have, but it can be a problem nonetheless. And with me today to help discuss that is someone who has created a fantastic bricks and mortar business, actually specializing in sandwiches and craft beer, two of my favorite things in the world. and who has taken that business and scaled it up successfully using three tried and tested methods. So with no further ado, please welcome to Excellence Expected, Katie McCaskey. Mark, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm just overwhelmed by sandwiches and craft beer. I lost my train of thought <laughs> then because that has just got me. I love craft beer. Yeah, well, I'm so fortunate. I live in Virginia, which has wonderful water quality. So we have just a stunning amount of independent breweries coming up uh, currently and existing. So lots of options. Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And that actually leads me on to uh, to a genuine question. Obviously, we, we are here to talk about scale. We're here to talk about you know how businesses can really get their head around that and how they can scale their business profitably and successfully. And you've worked on some fantastic tips for that. But actually, what I'd like to do is just set the scene a little bit. So, Katie, actually, what do you do? What is George Bowers and where did you come from? How did you get to where you are now? Well, Mark, um, George Bowers Grocery is a neighborhood destination. We're on Main Street in a small, tiny town. And I got here by way of New York City, incidentally enough, um, which is where I was living previously with my boyfriend, now husband. And we decided to move to Virginia in 2008, um, closer to my family, and thought, well, we could telecommute, which is what we did, um, but we could also start our own thing. So that's what we what we set out to do. We set out to um, create a walkable destination, um, which sells food and, and other retailing um, specialties. And the reason scale is so important to me is that what we started with versus what we've become is a lot different. And it required that attention to scale, what's appropriate, what works, what doesn't. I think it's really important. And one of the, the big things that I'm really interested in there is that George Bauer's Grocery is, is very much a bricks and mortar business. And that's rare on the podcast. You know, people either come on from an entrepreneurial perspective online or they kind of do things on a consultancy basis. And it's fantastic to have someone on, online that can actually talk about that bricks and mortar business, that grassroots, you know, scaling up kind of scenario, because it's something that we don't come across that much. So I'm really keen to dig into that. But Katie, I know you've got a couple of other things going on, haven't you? So let's just talk about what has spun out of George Bowers. What, what other things do you have going on? Well, actually, Mark, I just um, putting the finishing touches on a book called Per Money, Permaculture Thinking for Independent Business Growth. And that's really... Um, was kind of formed with this idea of scale in mind, um, thinking about systems and how do we ramp up systems. And for anyone familiar or not familiar with permaculture, let me just briefly explain what that is. Um, Permaculture is a design philosophy that mimics mother nature, and it's most usually applied to sustainable agriculture. And it came to my awareness when we moved here and we're starting a local foods grocery. Um, You know, what is sustainable agriculture? But 
as I learned about permaculture as an agricultural application, I really started to think about it in terms of business building. And I think it was a very helpful framework. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, and that helpful framework is that every piece of the puzzle needs to fit together and work for the other pieces of the puzzle. Now, that sounds really simplistic, but I think a lot of times entrepreneurs get so focused on delivering one thing that they can't see other options. I think it's, 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 it's something that as entrepreneurs, you always have to be mindful of that kind of, I guess, avoiding that disparity in everything that you do, because it's very easy to focus on one thing and go so far down a path that you, you kind of forget where you've come from and where you're going and why you're actually heading there. So I love the idea of that. It's, it's something that I guess it just challenges all that, doesn't it? It does, because I think naturally we're a bit stubborn. We all have egos involved. And it's hard sometimes to see what is versus what should be. And so I think the first actionable tip is to really um, look at your market and pivot to fit your market and focus on those best sellers. And from my own experience, you know, we started out as this retail grocery. We wanted to be a neighborhood walkable destination. In fact, we took the name from a grocery that was um, there in the 1880s. And so because we come from New York City and had the advantage of corner neighborhood groceries, we thought, hey, this would be great to reintroduce. Won't people love it? Well, you know, we did get the feedback that people wanted something walkable, but the retail groceries was not exactly what they wanted. So we had to really pivot and think, okay, what, how can we grow from a retailer into something more? So we grew from strict retailer to retailer slash restaurant. And then finally, most recently, straight up to restaurant. And all of those required us to focus on best sellers, focus on providing an experience and providing uh, a destination and a place. And during that time, we moved from a very small location, just a couple hundred square feet, to now we um, are operating out of a former schoolhouse and have a nice outdoor patio for a beer garden. I just, I think I need to move to Virginia. I think that's <laughs> it. Guys, next time you hear this podcast, it will be broadcast from Virginia because that, that sounds fantastic. What I really like about that is, you know, that the first first actionable tip there, guys, is really look. Look at pivoting to fit your market. Uh, it's, it's the craft beer. It's got me going. <laughs> the first actionable tip is to pivot to fit your market and concentrate on the best sellers, which doesn't matter really what you do. You know, it's important to respond to that market. And it's the age old supply and demand, isn't it? And I think some, sometimes, especially in this kind of age of distraction, in this world where rapid feedback is king, you know, we sometimes forget that we can move and we can shift. And actually, not only can we do that, but we've got to do that because if we're not selling what people want, then people just aren't going to buy it. So I think that's really important. And was that, when you think about George Bauer's grocery, you know, you said there you went from being a sort of retail outlet to being retail stroke restaurant and then straight up to restaurant. Mm -hmm. Was that something that was challenging early on? Did you find that pivoting difficult or was it a natural progression? Um, a little bit mixed of both. Um, it was a natural progression because we were very attentive to marketing, or excuse me, um, measuring our results and really focusing on what's working and what's not working. Because, you know, um, 
there aren't broccoli stores. I mean, what people say they will buy versus what people actually buy can be two very different things. And what we were finding, of course, was that our biggest sellers were our craft beer. You know, they weren't as interested in fresh food. And I think just as an aside, that's probably because we're in a very uh, agriculturally rich area. So there are lots of other places to get local organic foods. Um, but to make that transition really required attention to those details, what the, what the market was telling us as far as what people were buying, but then also trying to slowly and integratively move in a direction that would work. I think that's really important as well. And that actually leads on. Uh, we're spending, guys, what you'll notice is that we're actually spending a lot of time on each actionable tip, which I think is fantastic because scale is such an important thing for people. I really want to dig into this. And just moving on from that, so actionable tip number one, pivot to fit your market and concentrate on the best sellers. Actionable tip two, which you've alluded to just slightly there, Katie. Let's just mm -hmm. talk about that one. So what's the second tip that you've got for people? Well, I would, I would caution people to always have the belief that bigger is better. I think that's a natural tendency. We all want to, you know, go, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. But of course, that brings its own risks. I think a smarter approach is to grow from within in a very small, steady, sustainable way versus a big splash. And that's, um, that protects your cash flow. It protects your sanity. <laughs> you know, the, the, the scale of growing for us was moving from, like I said, a really small corner location to a, a bigger location. And when we first got to that bigger location, quite frankly, it was just a little bit too big around the edges. And so what we had to do was figure out a way that we could grow into that space and grow into it in a way that was um, appropriate for us. And what was appropriate for us was a smaller, slower progression. And I think ultimately that was the right move. And you see so many businesses go about that in such the wrong way. You know, they may land a big project if it's service-based or consultancy-based. You know, land a big project and suddenly they've got, you know, they've got new office furniture, they've moved to a new premises. Suddenly they're flying first class instead of economy to, uh, you know, to cross-channel meetings. <laughs> you see this so often and it's even in the little signs, you know, that, that actually you start thinking to yourself, this is all just superficial. You know, none of this is sustainable. Mm -hmm. And how much of this is actually right, not only for you as a business, but how much of this is right for your employees as people. But more importantly, how much of it is important to your customers? Because that's why we're here. You know, mm -hmm. there's the old, the old adage, which I don't know how old it is, actually. It might be just something that I came up with with Don at the studio one day. But, you know, we were talking about the idea that when you become an entrepreneur, when you set up in business, you love the idea of not having a boss, but actually all you do is you create hundreds and sometimes thousands of bosses, people that <laughs> will boss you about using money as their, you know, as their kind of vocabulary. They will vote with their wallets. They will only buy what is important to them. And if suddenly you change your ethics, if suddenly you go from being this very friendly, personable, local outlet to being a restaurant that doesn't cater for anything that they want, you just lose them, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that really comes back to always being, you know, in a position where you're reviewing your systems and you're reviewing your strategy. Systems being those tactics, those everyday things that you have to do to get 
things that you do done. But then also always being able to take a step back and look at the larger strategy. Am I doing something that's effective? And am I working towards something um, that I am planning versus just reacting to? And I think a lot of times it can be so overwhelming as a business owner that we tend to either get lost in those details of systems and tactics and then lose sight of our larger strategy. And that strategy could be seasonal, it could be, you know, any, any number of things, but always keeping that a focus um, is really important. And I think the idea of moving slowly and growing from within um, really comes back, back to this idea of a growth in place philosophy. I mean, for us, what we did was we slowly expanded our menu, our hours, our seating capacity, our people who are involved, our workers. So all of those were coming from within and they were all measured bits of growth that we could afford to do. I love that. And actually, I just want to tip onto that for one second. I'm just going to digress slightly, listeners, because what I want to talk about is experience. Because what I got from that was that everything that you did, you know, moving from the retail outlet to the restaurant or, you know, you know the sort of semi-restaurant, if you like, into another restaurant, mm-hmm. that is all very iterative, you know, slowly expanded the seating area, slowly changed the menu system. So was that something that not only affected, obviously, your scalability, you were able to scale comfortable, uh, comfortably, sustainably, but did it keep that experience relevant for the customers? Was it something that they didn't necessarily notice other than just a very good experience? Well, thank you. I think that's an excellent question. And I think that the answer would be that our customers were aware of an ongoing shift. But what we were really conscious of is was keeping uh, an attitude and an experiential um, quality that was very George Bowers. If we're, we're very kind of uh, irreverent and fun, we've got Star Wars toys throughout the shop and records and all kinds of weird, fun things that we've collected over the years. And so I think um, those, in some ways, that was a little bit of the t- distraction from what we were doing behind the scenes, which was completely changing the direction of the ship. And I think what kept it going was that we kept that consistency of people and approach. And when people, when our customers come in the door, they know what to expect. And we, of course, like every business, you have to have excellent customer service and consistency and, and all of those good things. So that also plays a role, of course. It sounds like George Bowers Grocery is just full of personality. It's, it's, <laughs> it it's <is>. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, here's, a, here's a funny example. So um, we picked up this great unicorn, um, just supremely tacky poster and hung it up in, in the shop. And then suddenly everyone thought we were collecting unicorns. So we got all these submissions of other unicorn paraphernalia, which was all fun and games until I actually Googled it and discovered that unicorn has some sexual connotations that I was not expecting. (laughs) But, you know, we welcome it and it's just like a fun, um, it's just a fun atmosphere. And I think that people really resonate with that because it's something to do. And I think that's another challenge with a lot of Main Street businesses. Um, Obviously, there are so many other external economic, uh, you know, pressures on uh, Main Street retailers and, and other businesses. But the one thing that we really have as a distinct advantage is, you know, the experience that we can provide. So the experience and the service. 
And it's vital. I mean, everyone, regardless of whether it's bricks and mortar, regardless of whether it's a software company or you're selling widgets online, those two things, experience and customer service, are vital. Because we live in this age of transparency. We live in this age of rapid reactions. And we don't have the time anymore to kind of allow our customers to simmer down. You know, in the past, it was very much, okay, I've had a little bit of a dodgy bit of service there. (laughs) What am I going to do? I'm going to either phone in or I'm going to send a letter. But by the time I've done that, I've calmed down a little bit and suddenly things aren't as bad. Not anymore. You know, George Bowers is on Twitter. If I get bad service, bad experience, I'm instantly, whilst I'm on fire, (laughs) going to give that kind of feedback that the world can see. You know, what a scary concept. But you know, you've really got that cornered. It sounds like you've really got that nailed down and the experience in the customer service is fantastic. And what I really, really enjoy about that is that by providing that experience, you were able to naturally scale your business up looking inwardly at what would work for you without affecting the service because the experience was so, so good. You know, I think that's fantastic. I really, really admire that. And Actually, you did tip on to, uh, to something there as well that I want to just move on to, which I know is part of your actionable tip number three, which is systems. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that. Your third actionable tip. What might that be, Katie? Well, I think the, the other valuable tip is to start thinking in terms of your strategy and systems together as being interconnected and build them so that, they, that each output of one supports the growth of another. Again, slow and purposeful, but each part supports the next. Um, One example might be um, stacking your habits for efficiency. For example, um, I I have a habit of morning coffee. So while I'm enjoying my morning coffee, what other business-related tasks can I do? And and that sort of thinking where your time is valuable and you're putting the most effective use, um, you know, putting that lever right where it needs to be so that you're most effective. And actually, Mark, thank you for your guide um, regarding time management. That I really enjoy reading that. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's the old 14... 14- 14 day essential guide to cutting your working hours, isn't it? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I thought, I thought that really had your uh, integral versus interesting task was a very good point with that. But using that back to the, this idea of permaculture as a framework. Um, so mother nature has all these interlocking kind of rules as far as what happens when. And so you can start thinking about that. And I, I know that not everyone listening is a gardener or interested in natural systems, but I found it to be a really helpful framework to place um, where each part plays a role. There's no waste. There's always something feeds into the next thing. And so I would encourage listeners to think about their own businesses um, in terms of how your tactics are interlocking to you know, support an overarching strategy and how those tactics might be better optimized for greater efficiencies. What I really find very, very interesting about that is that, that I can see how that could be applied at the micro level and actually at the macro level as well. So the micro level, I love the example of the morning coffee. It's a habit that you've got. You'll not change that, and rightly so. But actually, how else can you use that time? And I, I, in my own life, I do a lot of driving. I see clients. I go out and you know meet prospects, and I do a lot of general development work with relationships. I just love the talking, as you may be able to tell. <laughs> and that, for me, feels like dead time. So what I do is any callbacks that I've got to make, I make on those journeys. So it's 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 really finding the habits that you've got that you can leverage to, to kind of 
increase that efficiency. And I, I really, really like that. But then at a macro level, you know, looking inwardly to our business, for example, I can see that, well, look, if we, if we start to move into this area, this sector, that's going to open some doors, which helps us actually sell more of this type of service, which the goal of the business is to sell more of this service. But actually, we've got to do these two or three different tasks to link into that. It's not something we can skip straight to. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of everything being in connect, interconnected. If I do that over here, it links over here, perhaps in a not very obvious way, but actually in a, in a really powerful way. So I think that's really useful. Was that, again, was that something that came naturally? Was that a bit of a learning curve for you? Or was it something that you, you, you know, you brought forward from a past life? Or <laughs> Well, I think it's always, you're always on a learning curve, of course. Um, but, you know, it was actually very chance that I even came across permaculture. Like I said earlier, when we started and had a, a local foods emphasis, um, this idea of applying basically uh, rules applied to agriculture to a business building was brand new to me. And there are discussions online. Some people have really, you know, discussed how these permaculture principles might be applied to money making and business building in a very positive people and planet first way. Um, but really starting to, to think through our business specifically with these rules was definitely something new for me. And I found it to be extraordinarily helpful because sometimes when you take a framework that's unrelated and try to fit it onto whatever problem that you're trying to fix can be really helpful because it, it brings in new ideas or new perspectives that you just simply wouldn't have trying to approach the problem in a, a way that's already familiar to you. I think, I mean, those three tips together, you know, when you think about scale, and it doesn't matter the size of the business, but more particularly, if you are kind of owner-managed, if you work in a very, very small, tight-knit team, scaling up is going to impact you guys much, much more than it will a larger business, business mm -hmm. because you're pulled in so many directions already that to step outside of that and look at the strategic side of the business, frankly, it will just take you away from something else, and you can't help that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those three tips there, scale by pivoting to fit your market and concentrating on the best sellers. Scale by growing from within, small, steady, and sustainably. And scale your systems and your strategy together. Let them feed one another. You know, have this permaculture integrated into the business. When you start to put those three things together, that's a fantastic roadmap. And one thing that I kind of want to throw in as a bit of a curveball, actually, Katie, is that we talk to so many people about online. We talk about digital. We talk about consulting. And I just kind of want to get under the skin of the bricks and mortar side of things a little bit more. So, Hell yeah. People, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. It's very rare that I get to talk about this. So I'm really, really sort of interested in this side of things. And there's a lot of people out there that sort of say bricks and mortar is, is not what it used to be. You know, it's not, it's perhaps not as lucrative as it used to be, but obviously you're booking that trend. You're, you're kind of proving that wrong. What well, do you believe kind of contributes to that success? Well, I, there are many things that contribute to that success. I'm fortunate where I live because there's already kind of a strong commitment locally to support local businesses. And I know that not every, dust, you know, every, every place has that sort of um, culture already there. But um, there's a term called economic gardening where um, it all variety of businesses all work together like any other ecosystem. And I think that um, our business benefited from that kind of existing um, 
point of view. However, I actually really, um, I'm pretty gung-ho on, on Main Street businesses. And I think that while we're in this period of great transition in them, there's still huge amounts of opportunity. And I think, at least here in the States, um, you can see what I, what I call generica, which is, you know, you just drive and drive. And it's the same repeating loop of places and destinations. And ind- independent businesses, uh, indie businesses have such an awesome role to play as far as really creating place. And you know, it's true, you can buy almost anything online, but you cannot buy a sense of place. And I think that's the opportunity and and really the gift that business owners can give their communities. I love that. I love the idea of the sense of place. I think that is, that's just amazing. And uh, you know, that looking outwardly at that, it's very, very powerful because we do live in this world of distraction, in a world of anonymity to a degree you know you can hide behind a keyboard and give your feedback on something that you disagree with and so on (laughs) but the sense of place i love the idea that you can neither manufacture that nor buy that that's something that comes from the community and i love the idea of that economic garden and you know the idea of each each business in a in a community supporting its neighbor and it's it feels kind of really traditional but Mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think we sometimes forget that those values are there for a reason because, frankly, they're just damn good. And I think, that's, <laughs> I think yeah. it's amazing. Well, we're never going to stop being humans, and humans need that connection with where they live and the people that they live around. And so, hey, we've got that, right? Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw the news today, but Amazon is actually going into retailers here and uh, retail operations here in the States. So I, I did, think, I yeah, so that's... I'm not saying, I mean, obviously competing against Amazon is a whole other ball of wax, but um, but this idea that retailing, retailers do matter. And if they aren't making the sale in their shop, they are they can be making that sale as a service, as a convenience. Um, and so I think it's just retooling. We're really in this, this really interesting time, but ultimately we're still going to be human and we're still wanna, we still want to connect with one another. I love it. And that is a fantastic place to put a pin in that, actually, Kate. That is such a, a strong episode because, as I said earlier, you know, scale is a challenge that we will all face at some time because that's why we're in business. You know, that's why we're here. We've got that drive to succeed. And everyone listening out there, no doubt you've either come across that in the past, the problem of scaling, or you will do in the future. So just to recap those three tips, pivot to fit your market and concentrate on the best sellers, grow from within small, steady, and sustainably. And remember, keep that synergy between your systems and your strategy, you know, and kind of integrate this permaculture into your business. So Katie, that is such a good episode. Thank you so much for that. And just before we wrap up, can you just tell the guys where they can connect with you online, please? Oh, certainly. I would love to connect with you on Twitter. My handle is Katie McCaskey, K-A-T-I-E-M-C-C-A-S-K-E-Y. Uh, and you can also find me at the domain.com, same name. And if you're interested in my book, it's katiemccaskey.com slash permie, P-E-R-M-I-E. Check it out, guys. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I've got to be honest, I've not got to it yet. I actually noticed it was, uh, it's publishing in January, isn't it? That's uh, Obviously, that's been and gone now. Has the launch gone smoothly? <laughs> it has. It's actually in editing right now. So uh, it will be launching later this month. Well, that's fantastic. As we, actually, guys, as we record this, this is February the 4th, 
And so it should actually be out, I guess, by the time the episode publishes in a few weeks' time. So stay in touch be. on that one. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So once again, thank you so much to Katie for joining me. And thank you, as ever, for choosing to press that play button and join me on Excellence Expected. Now, as usual, all of the show notes, everything that myself and Katie have just discussed will be written up into the show notes and available online at excellence-expected.com. And whilst you're over there, as Katie mentioned earlier, actually, don't forget that you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact, which I'm sure will help you increase your productivity. And don't forget, guys, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Until next time, bye-bye.